Hey guys, welcome to the Posting and Toasting Show. I'm Drew, and if you're listening to this, you've realized that I hit you with the law and order sound, meaning that there was a hard cutoff and a cliffhanger on the Monday's episode. Schwinn and I wanted to mix things up and provide you a bonus episode that wraps up Schwinn, Spencer's, and Prez's conversation on the draft. They left off talking about someone named Okobo, Akibo. I don't know. I don't follow the draft. I don't really care. You guys should already know because you're probably thinking to yourself, oh man, I got hit with another cliffhanger from these guys. So enjoy the bonus episode this Tuesday and we will see you next Monday with another episode. Like he's Thibault, but like much better. I don't think I ever said that. Like Thibault had some freaky, freaky, freaky off-ball defensive instincts. Okoro, like or you said on-ball. That's what it was. You said like Okoro had like way better on-ball skills defensively, if I remember correctly. But yeah, I mean he's he's strong. Like I feel totally comfortable switching him one to four just because of how strong he is. And like um, if he's playing against someone smaller, you know it's possible the guard gets around him. His closing speed's really good. Like he might have, a, he might be, you know, there's a clip I posted or I posted a few clips over the weekend where the guard actually beat him to the rim and then a core come from, comes from behind and he blocks the shot or he contests the shot. Uh, and I think that's super important. Then he does a good job of staying in front of guys. I don't really buy the shot that much just because it, it's a little funky. Um, but I mean, look, catch and shoot, unless if your form is like Michael Kid, Michael Kid Gilchrist bad or, I mean, yeah, I guess something along the lines of that. Catch and shoot, I, I pretty much buy for most guys. So I can see him hitting that. And because he does so much stuff off ball, like he's a great finisher, he's a good passer. Um, he's going to make like like a mid like a late mid late lotto team. Maybe not really good this year, but like two years from now, three years from now, if they end up making that second round and trying to go to the Western Conference Finals or Eastern Conference Finals, I think he's going to make that team really happy. Don't let the Grizzlies get him, man. Um, or the, the- Pelicans. Oh yeah, they don't fuck them. They don't fuck David Griffin. He doesn't need anything else. He I think the Pelicans triggered draft Denny. That's my prediction based on nothing. I hope that they fucking draft some idiot that sucks ass. Um, so what? So do you want to talk about Okongwu, uh, Spencer? Do you have thoughts on him? I know that he's probably somebody that is. I, I would be shocked if he's even under any serious consideration by the Knicks, given his like position and skill set but what what are your thoughts on him i just like love him yeah he's a switchable big he's got great touch in the paint um he's a good stationary passer out of the post but he needs some work on and passing and picking rolls like i've seen some um some like, four shots in the paint you mean but, you mean on the short roll specifically like when yeah. he catches on the move yeah okay yeah so like the short roll he'll get the ball and there'll be 
you know, the weak side coming, then maybe it'll be like another weak side defender leaving the corner wide open and he'll go for the shot. Um, so he's got to work on that. But he's hit a few jumpers this year. Uh, I think the free throw percentage is also pretty good. Uh, the form's pretty good. But like if you're buying him, you're buying him because you hope that somewhere in him he can unlock the passing and then you have another BAM type thing. Um, but like right now you buy the defense, you buy the rebounding, you buy the rim protection and you just hope aside from being, um, you know, maybe like a pretty decent floor spacer, he's able to add a little bit more to his game. But I love it. Like he's awesome. If the Knicks didn't have Mitch, he'd be super, super high on my board. So for, for people listening who haven't seen him, he plays for USC and he's putting up 18 and nine, 62% from the field, 71 from the line, three blocks a game, one and a half steals a game, only 2.2 fouls a game. So that's the kind of impact dude you're talking about here. Yeah, he's just a fucking monster. Um, I, I, do the fuck if the Celtics get that Memphis pick this year and he's still on the board, that'd be so fucking yeah, annoying. They're gonna pick him. Yeah, that'd they're be so pick. annoying. Um, yeah. fuck that. They don't need him. <laughs> they don't need him. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. They have best center in the universe, uh, Robert Williams and Cantor. Uh, Lord and Cantor. <laughs> yeah. Didn't Cantor have six blocks or some shit recently? Yeah. yeah, and then their official site put out some fucking dumb shit article about how he's the most underrated pickup of the offseason. What was it? He's they the were un- chanting MVP or something like that for him. Of course, they were chanting MVP. They probably think he's fucking white and black. Uh, they don't know. <laughs> they suck. Fuck them. Um. Okay, so are there? We've talked a lot about, and it makes sense. Obviously, Lotto guys. We haven't talked about one guy. I know. Uh, I am a big fan now. After press sent me one highlight clip of him, uh, and reading through the PNT comment section, many people are fans. Uh, Obi Toppin, uh, old for a sophomore at Dayton. Spencer just hit me with the ugh. Uh, so I'm assuming he's not a huge fan. Uh, Spencer. Do you want to tell me why you're not a huge fan? But you should start with his strengths first and then tell me why you don't like him. Please. Thank you. All right. Uh, he's a good shooter. Um, oh, he's a pretty good shooter, I guess we'll say. Um, he's a good He's good finisher. Uh, he's pretty athletic. Uh, I mean, that's... He's tall. That's Ish. He's tall. I mean, he's, six, nine, he's a short neck. He's a weird... He's like a turtle neck. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm like... I can't really get around him because his archetype is like you need him shooting six threes a game because he's he's a terrible defender and like he's not a good rim protector. He's not someone you can put on the perimeter and have him guard wings. So best case scenario, and I mean like absolute best case scenario, he's some version of Tobias Harris. And if he doesn't reach that, he is some version of Kyle Kuzma. And if he doesn't reach that, he is what Kevin Knox is supposed to be. I mean, so you're I don't, not, I don't, you're not, you're not buying any of the uh, defensive numbers he's putting up here. No, and no, I just don't think he's a good defender. So you think some of these stats, like, cause he's averaging a pretty decent, like his block rate and steal rate is okay. You think some of this is just like him. Is it like a Russell, Russell Westbrook type of defensive stats? Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I haven't watched him much. I've watched, like I said, he's sent me one highlight clips. Blame Prez, man. This is on you, Prez. Defender boy. Defender boy. Um, give me. I'm going to pull up the defensive chart. So he's not my boy, but this gets to something that I think that this happens every fucking time I come on this spot. There's some players I like to watch in college and the NBA who I just like how they play, (laughs) especially on offense, but I don't want them on my team. He's one of them. 
those players so, who I would love to just see a person live heap some team the fuck up for 35 points while I'm like putting away, you know, overpriced beers or whatever. Like, it'd be fun as shit. <laughs> All right, so are you ready for the defensive stats around yeah. the rim? So this is like, I, this is him as a primary and a secondary defender. Oh boy. Going up against a pretty bad schedule besides... Yeah, he, he plays at Dayton, so everybody knows he's at Dayton. Yeah. And he's a twenty. He's basically 22 right now. Uh, he's just under yeah. 22 years old as a sophomore. So Yeah, people thought Brandon Clark was old. I mean, <laughs> I'm like this. But so... Uh, to put it in perspective, Bull Bull was a terrible, like he was another bad rim protector, but he put up good blocking stats. His opponent field goal percentage around the rim last year, I think, was 38%. Brandon Clark's was something absurd, like 30%. Obadiah Toppin, aka Obi Toppin, is 47%. So when he is the primary or the secondary defender, opponents are shooting damn near 50%, which is horrible. And, you know, he doesn't have the foot speed to guard the perimeter on the right half of the court. They're shooting above 40 percent, almost 45 percent from three. Like what? You know, why? <laughs> he, hit y'all, he hit y'all with the full first name. So you motherfuckers don't get confused. Come draft. Obadiah. Time, right? Obadiah. <laughs> keep your keep your OB t- keep your OB takes at home. Save it for March Madness. All right. Um before we finish up here on the draft portion of this, before we get into the fuck Porzingis ob- obligatory section of the podcast. Um, Can I say one thing real quick? Oh, God, fine. Uh, all right. No, look, because we've been talking about these players in a vacuum and how this draft kind of sucks, sort of, compared to other drafts. But I really do think that for the Knicks, this draft is kind of a blessing and a perfect draft because there's the Knicks are going to be bad. They're going to be a little bit less bad now that they have Miller. And they're going to be a little bit less bad than some lot of some like horrible tire fire teams below them that have a bunch of other shit going on and injuries. So I don't think it's unrealistic. We're not going to pick like tenth or something, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks ended up anywhere between first and like eighth. The way just other really bad teams are, and the way our we actually have gotten through the shittiest part of the schedule, and now have a coach who is competent shit like that not that we're gonna end up with 30 wins or anything but there's other teams that are gonna end up with like 22 and we'll probably be closer to like 20 so having this many acceptable guards to choose from even if none of them are fucking you know the next instant all-star the next 20 point per game rookie like it's it's good it it means it's i don't want to say they can't fuck this up because they can fuck it up you know they can fuck this up. <laughs> exactly. But the odds, I feel like, are good when there's this many. Like, I'd be, we could talk about which guards we like more, but, like, give me LaMelo, give me Killian, give me fucking Nico, give me any of those guys, give me Edwards. Like, I'll be completely content if I get any of those guys. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to find someone who can contribute in some way. Uh, yep. Pretty comfortable. Yep, I agree. Um, so, are who are some guys, like, later on? Because the Knicks do have a second-round pick. Uh, I know that's not normally always a thing. Um, and hopefully we can even acquire a late first round pick, uh, somehow, some way for Marcus Morris, potentially who are some other guys later in this draft that you'd be looking at? Um, I had people throw in, uh, Jaden McDaniels, uh, precious Achua, Tyler Bay. I think Spencer is really big on Tyler Bay. Um, I don't know who uh, whoever else uh, comes to mind. Killian Tilly is somebody I really like, but who's had a lot of injury That's issues. Um, yeah, so I mean, are there other guys that uh, like, you know maybe 
pick whatever, maybe say like three, three, four guys that you guys like later in this draft that maybe uh, might be available to the Knicks. So, I mean, for the Knicks, I, I actually don't <laughs> like uh, Precious. Um, I don't think he's going to provide enough shot creation at the four. And I mm. think that's what the Knicks really need next to Mitch. Um, but I mean, 20 and beyond. Um, I mean, I'm, you know, Vanderbilt alum, so full disclosure. Aaron Neesmith, uh, he's the best shooter in the country right now. Um, and I mean, like, he's a pure shooter. He is running hard off screens. They're running, like, double flares for him, floppy, everything. Um, reads the screens really well. And then he can also play in the post a little bit. But he's not a great finisher. And he's not someone who really drives that much. Um, so, I mean, I guess he's, he, he's like, more of a Kyle Korver. But mm-hmm. he's going to provide, like, immense horizontal gravity, which is... Like, awesome. Like, I mean, more than Dotson, more than, I mean, really anyone the Knicks have had since Steve Novak, but even more than that, because he can run off screens harder and not just do like a jog and then a quick shot. Um, so, I mean, I would say Neesmith, Paul Reed. I'm a big fan of his, um, although I think he's probably going to end up going maybe more towards the middle of the first round as the draft creeps closer. But right now, he's probably more of a late first just because media hasn't caught on. Um the shot needs a little work, but he showed some flashes. They've run him off some pin downs. He's six nine, like two forty. Uh, he's a good athlete. He's a great defender, like great defender. Um, he's like if you if you have to k- compare him to someone, it'd be something along the lines of like a Taj Gibson, maybe someone you can slot in as like yeah, like a starting small, not small forward, <laughs> power forward for like ten years and just kind of be happy with that. Um, he'd be, I guess, my second one, then third one. Um, and we'll, I don't know. I'm going off ESPN's like top 100 now, just to have all the lists. Uh, I mean, Isaiah Joe's gonna rise, but AJ Lawson, okay. um, he reminds me a bit of Will Barton. Uh, he's a good passer, he's a good shooter. Uh, he's, he's more like an energy guy off the bench, but he's probably gonna go early second. Awesome. Uh, Prez, do you have any second round thoughts? Not really. The one. I haven't really dug into that part of the draft yet, but um, Spencer mentioned Isaiah Joe. Uh, I've just seen him pop up on my timeline in draft Twitter a lot because I follow a lot of those dudes who are already, you know, way ahead of the game and looking at second rounders, late lotto guys, and or late first round picks. And uh, I watched some of his highlights, and the guy takes a lot of threes and makes a lot of threes. <laughs> I, I think he's taken like ten a game or something like that. And hitting them at like thirty-five percent, eightieth on the line. So you you already know what it is with him. He's a, he's a two, and yeah, you know, when in doubt in the second round, pick up some shooting. That's how uh, I feel. Yeah. So um, I see like my my one guy. I'm not. I haven't really really dug into this draft at all uh, yet. But one guy I really like, um, and you know, I think we need a backup five given um, the fact that right now our backup five is like Taj or something. I don't really know what's going on with that. Um, Or Portis. Yeah, it's clearly a long-term issue. But uh, in the second round, somebody I really like is John Teske out of Michigan. Uh, He's older. He'll be 23 uh, by the time the draft rolls around, I think. Um, But he is very much a elite, elite rim protector. Um, <clears throat> he's not actually that immobile out of space, surprisingly. Um, quicker guards will definitely give him a problem, but he's he'll be excel in drop coverage, and uh, he still has like 
he has some shooting touch. I don't know if there's much upside there, but yeah, that's just somebody I like also. <coughs> um, I actually, I'm going to cheat and add two more guys. To, uh, both, both of them are point guards, and these are the guys like I'd rather take these two in the second round than take Maladon high, high, high in the first. And the first one, Carlos Alisson, um, is playing over in Spain, I think. Um, he's quick. He attacks the paint. Um, he's 6'5". He's got pretty long arms. He's someone to keep an eye out on. Eye out for. And then Yam Madar from Israel. He played with Denny over the summer. And the few games that I watched... So I haven't seen him at all during the season. But the few games I watched during the FIBA games, if you had a big on him, he'd like push and get fouls called on him just because he's being so physical in the post, um, which is awesome. And he's only six foot three, so he plays with an edge. And these are guys who they're not starters probably in the NBA, but um, you know if you want someone who can take in the second round with a pretty good chance that they can become some sort of role player off the bench, kind of like what Elia Kobo has been for Phoenix recently. Those two guys to to look out for. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um. Uh, so let's talk a little Knicks here. Uh, so the Knicks, uh, we're recording this the day after New Year's Day, January 2nd. Uh, the Knicks coming off of what is definitely their best win of the season, just absolutely beating the shit out of the ball. Um, do you, what What did, did you guys, I mean, Spencer, did you watch the game? Because I know sometimes you like end up having to play catch up with the Knicks games. Um, did you catch it? Last night's game? Yes. I caught the first half, and then I passed out. <laughs> ah, nice. I know. Uh, <clears throat> Prez, did you uh, did you watch any of the missing segment that you that you missed? Yeah, I caught up and 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 watched the second half, and it was a fun fucking game. And there's like it was such a good game for the Knicks that like there's, there's so many different parts about it that you can talk about that were pretty awesome and pretty. Um, one thing I'll talk about that was curious that i saw dame was one of eight, eight from three so i went back and looked at uh every three-point attempt taken by the blazers just to see how our defense was we'll talk people talk about frank frank's dunk the scoring and, and randall having another good game but this was also the third straight game holding a team under 100 points so the defense is as locked in as they can be with this roster um i think they're getting used to the you know, having Mitch back there and even when Mitch, the thing is, even when Mitch isn't there dropping, even when it's Taj dropping, who's not really a good rim protector anymore, it still means it's a similar game plan for everyone else. That means all these fucking teenagers don't have to think about 18 different game plans like they had to with Fizz, even though obviously the coverage is a little different with Taj or Bobby or Julius versus with Mitch. And you could see it in the rotations. Knox had a few deflections that he got off of anticipation, which is like unfucking believable for given where he's been the last two years on defense. Um, and yeah, there was a lot of threes that were like they did get away with Dame missing some wide open threes. I think he had three that were wide open, and he took bricks. But yeah, he missed one. But even they mostly corner. defended well, right? Frank Frank had like. The, of course, Frank had the most well-defended threes of any Nick, but other guys like Dot Bullock had a couple. Um, Taj had a couple where he where he guessed uh, a, a one or two rotations ahead and made the adjustment to close out on a guy before he got the ball while the ball was going around the three-point line. Shit like that that you just didn't see uh, under Fizz. Um, it was it was a good look. 
yeah, uh, I thought it was a really fun game. Um, you know, um, we touched upon it on our last podcast, but like the Randall stuff is continues to be extremely encouraging. Um, he is just being put in way better positions. He seems way more comfortable. Um, he actually had a, I mean, that dish he had to, to Mitch was just fucking great. Um, obviously he's still going to, I mean, he's never going to not turn the ball over. I don't think that's, that's something you just got to live with, but, um, you know, it's, it's just how he's being used. Like, you know, again, minimizing his weaknesses, maximizing his strengths, um, even with the, let's say suboptimal lineup usage, um, we're just doing stuff that's way better. Um, and he's benefiting a ton. Um, and then just obviously, uh, Mitch was, I mean, he just came in to the game and immediately turned it in our favor. And as soon as we went up, we never looked back. Mitch was fantastic. Um, obviously he, there were still some instances that he needs to get stronger. That's obviously going to be a problem for him. Um, until he fills out more because Whiteside just kind of like bodied him on a couple of plays yesterday. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, not every team is going to just mail in pick and roll defense like the Blazers did. But, um, you know, the fact is teams that do, you have, you know, you have that guy that can just absolutely destroy teams if you, if you're not taking care of him. And Mitch is that guy. And Frank was finding him yesterday. So then I see Frank even pulled out the uh, the behind the back into the pull up three in transition. Uh, not sure we've seen that from him ever before uh, in a game. So that was cool. Um, and he even so it was actually really funny. Before his dunk, the play right before that was like I think Dame took a dribble handed off and he just made a speed cut and like got it back and dunked on like on a baseline drive and i was thinking in my head i was like god fuck like we never have a guard that ever does some shit like that and like literally the next time down frank did the same exact thing um so yeah i mean that was really good to see and just like you know frank and mitch totally and bullock obviously his spacing makes a huge difference those they had some really fun lineups in that game too like they had a frank bullock knox dotson um Mitch look they had one with Portis instead of Dotson but it's like you know Portis for all his flaws like you use him as a spot-up shooter teams semi have to respect him right like he's shooting 37 percent from three or whatever so like you're just getting way more natural spacing and I think like you do that and you're gonna get so much more out of Frank and Mitch um so you know hopefully we see that and then just like Frank being way more aggressive like he had a couple of just drives in transition where he just went um, he got fouled on one, um, on another, he fed Portis in the weirdest way possible. I don't know what Portis was even doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a really fun game and it was a lot of, I mean, it's just good to see like when two young guys are powering you to a victory, that's kind of like what you want. And I don't know if we're including Randall in the young guy group yet, probably not, but like, you know, more games like this and, you know, forget the fucking offense, but his defense is like. It's been totally fine, you know, under Miller. And like you touched upon Prez, just, you know, simplifying the scheme and like not even simplifying it, but just making it consistent. You're just seeing an improvement from that. I think I saw Ben Taylor post something today about how like since uh, Fizdale got fired, we have like the fourth best shot chart by opponent. Ben Falk. Yeah. yeah, Ben Falk. Ben Falk. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, it was like we're giving up what, like way more mid range now less threes, less shots at the rim. And yeah, I mean, I know coaching is obviously the most irrelevant thing uh, after you assemble a roster because no coach should ever be uh, 
expected to do anything if they don't have a perfect roster. But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Spencer, did you have you noticed anything in particular, like schematically, that you like from Miller, be it offensively, defensively, since he's come in? Uh, he's twelve games now, so. Um, I mean, it seems like there are fewer post ups. <laughs> Like they're just or just senseless post ups, um, except for Portis, who has to for some reason get his touches. Um, seems like there are more pick and rolls. It seems like what else? Um, I mean, the offense just kind of looks more like an actual offense. That would probably be like the best way to describe it. It just doesn't look like it doesn't look like something you'd see in a playground and just yeah. in a random pickup game. It actually looks like there's some rhythm, which is nice. Yeah. You mean Julius Randle dribbling from fucking 40 feet to a, you know, 22-foot pull-up step back is not a fucking structured offense? We had off-ball decoy action so often in the last game, I was fucking astonished. I didn't even know you were allowed to do that shit for the Knicks in 19. In, maybe it was because of 2020. Now we could do some new shit because, like, it was, half the off-ball action, it wasn't even, like, dudes weren't even cutting and doing picks that hard off-ball. It was just the fact that some shit was happening on the other side of the court from where the ball was, was enough to like help create looks. Who would have fucking thought? Yeah. That's like the thing that's always pissed me off. People are like, like with Fizzer, they're like, you know, he doesn't have the talent. Fuck that. Like with Atkins. So, you know, Atkinson, I know he's a Nets coach, but you look at what he did since the first day he got there. He put something in where even if, even if he had, you know, 15 uh, D leaguers, G leaguers ever on the team, he was still doing something to get them good looks. And whether that was using guys as decoys or whatever, Fizzle never did that. Miller is doing stuff that's nice, and it's, it's there's a purpose to it. Yeah, and like I think that you're starting to see some gains from the young guys in specific. Like I think Frank and and Knox have actually been like the biggest beneficiaries of Miller. Miller, um, Knox didn't really like again. Like he's not connecting on his three right now. He's not. Uh, he's not even really like being put in position or getting the ball in position to attack or like score or anything. But like he had seven rebounds yesterday in 17 minutes. Um, he actually had a couple of like. I'm not going to say like in the like, first half, he had a picture perfect defensive rotation yeah. that forced the turnover. It was, was it on deflection. the, was, like, was it on the baseline? Uh, <laughs> if you're looking at the basket, it was on the right. Like it was, it was above the breakthrough. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, he had a couple. it was yeah. beautiful. Like I actually texted my friend who was there and I was like, I've never seen that from Knox where he was in the perfect place at the perfect time. Yeah. 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 That's the one I was referring to before where I, he was like, I he thought had so, a deflection yeah. off anticipation and he had to use his, very long wingspan to do it and i was like this is what the fuck scott perry was probably thinking of when he drafted this guy <laughs> you know envisioning this shit happening every other play yeah yeah it was it was nice um and like yeah like i, I think knox's defense since miller's come in has noticeably improved um you're seeing way less brain farts from him like he is not playing the two anymore either yeah yeah and he's just like getting over screens and shit like that too so he's even uh, playing the four sometimes yeah, he was yeah. he was playing the four sometimes. So yeah, it's it's just it's nice to see the coach like using the tools he has at his disposal to the best of his ability and not feeling like obligated that he has to play like fucking I gotta get Dennis the Junior in here, I gotta get Treater in here, I get like no, just just play you know, I think he's playing like ten guys right now and it's the right ten guys and it's good. So um yeah, I mean I guess with that said, um do you guys want to um I guess do do you want to uh, like uh, I guess this is this is where Drew usually saves me. But do you, do you guys want to uh, plug anything? Uh, I mean I'm not writing anything for the public yet. 
I'm still like doing the notes and stuff for the scouting reports, but when those come out, they'll be up on the Stepien. So I guess keep your eyes out, eyes peeled, whatever the saying is. Uh, as it gets closer to the draft, I'll be putting those out. And I mean, I'm almost always tweeting about basketball or according to some famously bad Star Wars and comic takes, which oh. I will disagree with because I think my takes are the right takes. So the worst gonna- takes. All the wrong takes from Spencer. If you want the wrong takes, make sure you follow uh, Spencer at SK Perlman uh, on Twitter. So, yeah, that's where you can find him and all his wrong takes. Uh, Prez, anything anything in the uh, anything in the lab cooking? Uh, not really. A lot of half-cooked <laughs> ideas, so we'll see what happens. But I'll just plug PNT generally. I mean, I've been fucking commenting on posting and toasting for like 10 years now. And there's so much content, all the articles and all the people on Twitter now. It's I can't even believe what this shit's going to be like, dare I say, if the Knicks are ever actually good again. Uh, it's just really good right now in terms of the content on, on Knicks Twitter. Even though you can find your fair sh- share of um, fucking stupid ass takes whenever you want. I won't at them, but you know who you are, which are trash takes. But fortunately, you're in the minority. There's a lot of great... Knicks bloggers and writers and beat reporters and podcasters. Uh, hopefully that keeps up in 2020. All right. Well, that's uh, that's it. That's the show this week. Uh, thanks for coming on, guys. And uh, I will catch you guys soon. Bye. All right. <laughs> there cool. it is. <laughs> All right. Good uh, job, Schwinn.